Singularity by Bill DeSmet. Copyright 2004 by William H. DeSmet. All rights reserved. Chapter 16. Idle. In the end, what they had done was table the matter and go to bed. In separate cabins, more's the pity. Knox had drifted off to sleep that night, thinking about her kiss. Even when they reconvened in Mariana's room at 8.30 the next morning, his lips were still tingling with the memory of it. All too brief, yes, but soft and warm as the one she'd hushed him with at the gala, and far less premeditated. Even now he could see the way the silken sheen of her lip-gloss had been blurred by the momentary contact. Earth to John, Mariana raised her voice, jolting him back to reality. John, do you read me? Hmm, he managed. She sighed. I was saying, if you're not going to help out here, she jerked a thumb in the direction of the laptop sitting on her dressing table, then how about you go rustle us up some coffee in O.J.? Knox would have been more than pleased to help her review the hijacked surveillance video if only they could have focused on the few potentially interesting sequences already earmarked by the motion-sensing routines. But no, Mariana was going strictly by the book, which meant slogging through all seven hours' worth of image capture, 95% of it featuring an empty chart room. Even with intermittent fast-forwarding, the exercise held all the fascination of watching paint dry. Knox didn't even try to hide his relief at being assigned to the breakfast procurement detail. They'd left the curtains drawn in their staterooms, natural enough, given what they were up to, but it meant the brilliant sunlight out on deck took Knox by surprise. He shaded his eyes and walked to the rail. The sky was a bowl of crystalline blue, deepening almost to violet at zenith, and unblemished, save for a few small puffs of cloud gleaming far off on the horizon, so white they seemed lit from within. Out beyond the forward wind baffles, a stiff breeze was embroidering the ocean top with lacy whitecaps. Knox took a deep breath of fresh, sea-scented morning air. Invigorating, he should really go back and drag Mariana out here. He was not alone in his enjoyment of the moment. At scattered intervals all along the rail, Casually dressed men and women stood in clusters of two and three, chatting, smoking, nursing cups of steaming liquid, tea most likely, or just quietly contemplating the ensemble of sea and sky. Members of Rusalka's headquarters and research staffs, no doubt, delighting in a spectacular Saturday morning. And, well apart from all the companionable little groupings, a solitary black-garbed figure leaned against the rail looking not out on the beauty of the morning, but down the length of the deck, directly at Knox. Noticing that Knox was looking at him, Yuri grinned back. Bright morning sun sparkled on his bared canines. Perfect timing. I was just done with the scan. Mariana answered the door at John's knock. Oh, that looks good, she added. John was balancing a tray laden with carafes of coffee and juice, a basket full of breakfast pastries, assorted miniature jam pots, and two table settings bearing the GEI crest. She cleared a space. Here, set it down on the dresser. Thanks. I didn't have anything this ambitious in mind, 
but the steward in that little outdoor dining nook wouldn't take two lattes and an orange juice for an answer. He poured coffees and handed her one. Evidently word's gotten around that we're Mr. Bondarenko's special guests. Everyone's keeping an eye out for us, including your friend Yuri. I know. I was watching him watch you before. She took a sip from her cup. If he stays on us like this, it's going to complicate things. What sorts of things? Did you find something? I'll let you tell me. Better he should draw his own conclusions. Three of the flag sequences are routine. Mate comes in from the wheelhouse every couple hours to check position against the chart, stuff like that. The other two are, well, something else entirely. Here, take a look, see what you think. She clicked on the hot link for the third of the five motion detection incidents. In response, the display filled with a freeze frame of the chart room, shot from the by now familiar perspective of Grecian spy cam. A timestamp in the lower right-hand corner read 062957, July 31. Ready? She tapped a key. It's showtime. The digits of the timestamp came to life and began registering the passage of seconds and minutes once more. The camera resumed its slow circuit, left to right and back again. Then, with a quick blur of movement, someone entered the shot, stage left. Notice he's coming off the access corridor, Mariana pointed out. Not from the bridge. Whoever he is, he's not standing watch. The new arrival was a tall man in his mid to late thirties, wearing a checkered shirt and jeans. The grainy, available light image wasn't good enough to resolve more than a broad-brush abstraction of the face. A receding hairline, a fringe of beard, a heavy brow sheltering weak, tired-looking eyes. The tired look could be due the early hour. The timestamp said this scene had played out at half-past six in the morning. Anyone we know? John asked, whispering as if they were spying on the man in real life. I don't think so. Watch, here's where it gets interesting. The man stood still for a moment, looking back the way he'd come. Another few seconds to make sure no one was about to push the curtain aside and come in from the bridge. Then, with a series of jerky movements, he was standing beside the antique chart table, looking down, its dimly lit surface illuminating his features from below. The action's a little stop-motion-esque, Mariana said. Camera's only transmitting five frames a second. Makes it hard to see exactly what he does here, but the result's clear enough. The man's right hand fumbled around under the tabletop. Whatever he was looking for, he found it. The heavy wooden table slid forward three or four feet as if on skids. The man braced himself on the table's edge, then disappeared down behind it. A few seconds more, and the table eased back into its original position. Mariana halted the playback. That's it. After half an hour, the whole operation repeats in reverse. Table moves back, guy comes up, slides it back into place and leaves. Want to see that? Knox shook his head. This here's enough to clinch it. We've just watched somebody visiting our hidden room. Mariana nodded. That's what it looks like, all right. Still, I'd feel better if we'd caught the actual shaft entrance on camera. Be thankful we got as much as we did. Look at the camera angle. Whoever set this up didn't want the shaft. They wanted full face on anybody going into it. 
which should make it more interesting, Mariana said, when I try that myself. What? Knox wasn't sure he'd heard right. Oh, not right away. We've got to rough out their duty schedule first. It's that or run the risk of bumping into a staffer or two when the time comes for me to pay a call to your secret lab. You had me worried there. We're going to need lots more data capture before we even think about that. Figure on 48 hours worth at least. Maybe 72 just to be on the safe side. The way Knox saw it, a day without breaking and entering was a day without the risk of imminent death or dismemberment. Mariana was still putting her laptop back in auto-record mode when the doorbell chimed. She shot Knox a look that said, Whoever it is, get rid of them. He walked to the door, hoping it wasn't Yuri making a house call. He relaxed when he heard the voice booming from the other side. John! Mariana! Do you plan to stay in bed all Saturday? Hi, Sasha. Knox opened the door to find his friend standing there in knit shirt and shorts. You're looking kind of casual this morning. Ancient Slavic custom. Weekend, Sasha deadpanned. Perhaps you have heard of? You guys invented the weekend too, eh? Knox grinned, but remained standing in the threshold, blocking entrance to the room. He turned his head and said, Honey, look who's here. Good morning, Sasha. Mariana waved from the desk. Truly a good morning, Mariana. Too good to waste sitting indoors. I have come to say that if you two will hurry, we can play some golf. Knox turned to face him again. Don't tell me you've got eighteen holes squirreled away below decks. Sasha grinned. Even better, John. Rosalka has a driving range at the aft end of lab deck. Very popular with senior cadres, especially on Saturday morning but I have succeeded to reserve a half-hour slot for us, beginning in, he consulted his watch, 15 minutes. I'm up for it. But I think Mariana mentioned something about going for a swim, didn't you, honey? The term of endearment still rang false in Knox's ears, even on the second try, but maybe such awkwardness was in character for lawyers in love. I did have my heart set on doing a few laps, especially after that dinner last night. She patted her tummy. Why don't you boys go on without me? Just come by the pool and get me when it's time for lunch, okay, dear? Then she smiled, as if to say she was too much the consummate professional to let all this honey business make her self-conscious. Mariana waited until John had hustled Sasha off before turning her attention to the laptop again. A few minutes more, and she had it configured to continue recording while feigning sleep mode. She locked it down, got up and stretched. What next? She walked over to a porthole as big as a bay window and drew back the curtain. John was right. It was a beautiful day out there. And he'd more or less committed her to putting in an appearance at the pool. What the hell? Relax and enjoy it. She stepped through the connecting door into her own stateroom to change. Briefly weighed wearing a one-piece consistent with her semi-stayed cover story, but rejected it in favor of a medium-hot black bikini. Do her good to get out from under this honey persona for a bit. Mariana paused in front of the full-length mirror to check for overall effect. Not bad. The scanty bikini bottom accentuated her long legs and tight butt, and they, in turn, 
diverted attention from her less-than-generous endowment up top, legacy of a puberty sacrificed on the altar of gymnastics. She frowned, then stuck her tongue out at the image. Completing the ensemble with sandals, a wrap, and her carry-bag, she pulled the door closed behind her and walked down the passageway to the outside. Let's see. The pool was all the way aft on accommodations deck. She strolled along with her hand barely brushing the rail, basking in the warmth of the sun after being cooped up in the air-conditioned interior. Rusalka's outdoor saltwater pool was twelve meters long, three-fifths the width of the deck. With most of the GEI staff off-duty for the weekend, it was a popular spot, especially with families, to judge by the little tow-headed kids splashing and squealing in the roped-off shallow end. Mariana hadn't realized there were marrieds with children on board. The deep end was grown-up territory, though. Drink service, at 10 a.m. no less, as well as a sauna, cheek by jowl with a traditional Russian banya, and maybe twenty Solaris chrome-antique chaise lounges in two concentric semicircles fanned out around the diving board. Most of the chaises were already occupied by sunbathers, but Mariana spotted an empty one and headed for it, past seeming acres of sallow, slowly broiling Slavic flesh. Regardless of age or girth, all the men were wearing those skimpy little bathing suits you saw on European beaches. Most of the women had on something less revealing, though a daring few had gone the other way entirely and followed the men in wearing only a thong-like bottom sans top. Well, when in Rome, no, not really, but she did shrug out of her wrap, no sense in being overdressed. She leaned on the aft rail and looked down. There was the golfing area Sasha had been talking about. In fact, there were John and Sasha, waiting their turn to tee off. A light breeze was tousling John's brown hair. Taken together with the bit of tan he'd gotten on his face and arms yesterday, it gave him an uncharacteristically outdoorsy look. John, hi, she called and waved. She struck a slightly self-conscious pose and was rewarded when his initial startlement segued into an appreciative once-over. Boobs aren't everything. Her pleasure was short-lived. While she'd stopped to preen for John, someone else had scooted into the last available chaise. Served her right. She briefly considered just spreading a towel out on the deck, but the no-skid surfacing in the pool area was some sort of roughened, distinctly uninviting resin. When in doubt, run a standard reconnaissance sweep. She strolled down the aisle between the pool's rim and the inner arc of chaises, looking for an opening, emphatically not looking at the occasional bare-breasted earth mother, supine and glistening with sunblock. She was working so hard to avoid staring with envy at the Fry Kirper fanatics, she almost missed noticing that one of them was staring at her, a statuesque honey blonde wearing only wraparound mirror shades and the obligatory thong. Now that she got closer, it looked like... Galena? Good morning, Mariana. Galena rose to a sitting position that only made her breasts more prominent. She smiled and shifted around to make a little room on her chaise. Seat, please. She patted the empty spot beside her. Thanks, Mariana said, squeezing in. I won't crowd you long. I really just need a spot to stash my bag while I take a dip. Nichevo is nothing. Always difficult to find a place here on weekends. Pool is very popular. I'd noticed. 
That wouldn't have anything to do with the scenery, would it? Galena looked puzzled for a moment. Then she got it. These! She arched her back demonstratively and laughed. No, no, it's not like that. This is Siberian thing. We love sun, but get so little. Can never have too much. So, naturally, when there exists possibility, you kind of let it all hang out, hmm? But even if it's just sun worship, I'm surprised Sasha isn't up here fending off the uh, worshippers. Sasha. Sasha cares little for what I do, Galina sighed. Mariana wasn't prepared for the look of sadness that came over Galina's face then. What's wrong, Galina? Is it about Sasha? Sasha? No, no. I think perhaps it about me. Another sigh. I had hope, when Sasha first invited me aboard, that we begin again, make new start. But he must work so hard, always so busy. Always so tired, too tired to... Her voice trailed off, leaving an eloquent, if somewhat jiggly, shrug to complete the thought. But you two look so happy together, Mariana blurted out. Look happy. A single tear ran out from behind Galena's mirror shades and worked its way down her cheek. She wiped it away angrily. Look, perhaps, but not few. She just sat there then, looking down at the deck, shaking her head. There, there, Mariana patted her on the back, not knowing what else to do. This sort of situation arose so seldom in the normal course of counterproliferation operations. He's all right, Mariana, Galina sniffled. She raised the shades to dab at her eye with the corner of her beach towel. I, I have my work still. Important work. It's also possible to live for that believe in that. Any other time, Mariana would have lunged at an opening like that. Oh, really, Galia? And just what is this all-important work? Come on, you can tell me. Now she found she couldn't. Instead, sitting there with her arm around the disconsolate woman, ignoring the curious stares of the other sunbathers, she found herself considering, for the first time really, the possibility that she'd been wrong. Wrong about Galena, at least. Galia seemed so open-hearted, so sympathetic, so lost. She was either for real or the most accomplished actress in the world. And somehow Mariana could tell she wasn't acting. No one could fake that longing, that utter desolation at love's ending. Mariana knew that for sure. Knew for sure what Galina was going through, where she was coming from. After all, love dies. Knox continued staring up at the rail after Mariana left. Becoming infatuated with the client was definitely contraindicated, but Sasha tapped him on the shoulder and broke the spell. John, our turn. A couple of stocky GEI execs were just vacating the practice tee. Three sides of that tee were enclosed with lucite wind baffles. The fourth was open to the sunlit, white-capped ocean. The whole North Atlantic had become a driving range, an all but inexhaustible supply of Arkady Grishin's Titleist Ecosure biodegradable golf balls sailing off Rusalka's stern, roughly in the direction of Newfoundland. There were no range markers, of course. Instead, a small self-contained radar unit 
located beside the tee, computed the distance for each shot. Sasha was tall for a Russian of his generation, as Knox was for an American. That meant Knox had a good two inches on his friend, a height differential that gave him a longer moment arm, and hence a more powerful swing, as long as he didn't have to hit anything smaller than the Atlantic Ocean. 178.6 yards, a synthesized voice announced in response to Knox's last drive. The talking ball tracker came with the golf balls, and the wags at Titleist had given its speech synthesizer a bit of a brogue. Grecian had yet to have it re-engineered for Russian, which reminded him. How do you say four in Russian, Sasha? Chitiri, Sasha replied, head down, addressing the ball. Not the number four. I meant... Knox stopped and grinned. Sasha was just yanking his chain. Four! Sasha shouted and shot. Same word in Russian, John. As is well known, this expression is actually coming from old Proto-Slavonic, meaning... A hundred sixty-six point three yards, the Scottish radar unit barged in. So, my friend... Sasha said, switching topics apropos of nothing in particular. Do you still follow events in Russia as before? Knox eyed his friend warily. Was that just idle chit-chat or the prelude to one of the long, lugubrious heart-to-hearts Russians were so fond of? Knox wanted no part of any such soul-bearing right now. It wasn't just that he'd yet to sort out his own feelings toward this man who befriended him and nearly destroyed him two decades ago. There was all that latter-day crom baggage added to the mix. Had Sasha betrayed him back then? Was Knox betraying him now? Better to steer the conversation in another direction altogether. Follow events? Not really, Sasha, or I'd have known more about your meteoric rise. Come to think, you still haven't told me how this whole Grecian thing got started. My association with Grecian Enterprises International, you mean? It began by purest chance. I was administering a small Bratsk research institute in the early 1990s. Administer is perhaps not the right word. My role was more one of trying to keep the staff housed and fed. Knox nodded. Things had been tough all over back then, and had gone from bad to worse since. But if anyone could finesse the bare essentials to keep an institute going, it was Sasha. Anyway... Arkasha, at that time, was just beginning his roll-up, as you call it, of material sciences enterprises throughout Russia under Yeltsin's privatization policy. Material sciences labs I could see. That's how GEI got its start, after all. But an astrophysics research outfit? Please, John, permit me to finish. Bratsk Institute was specializing in degenerate matter studies. Sounds like any other kind of material, yes? Sasha laughed. In those days, all of Russia was like a land rush in your wild west. Take first, ask details later. By the time Arkasha discovered that we studied only stellar interiors, neutron stars, and so forth, it was too late. Meaning you were already on the inside and making yourself as insidiously useful as ever. Knox chuckled to himself. How could he have ever seriously doubted that Sasha would somehow finagle his way to the pinnacle of new Russian success? You always did strike me as being as much of a hustler as a researcher, Sasha, what with your 
He trailed off. Sasha grounded his club and looked up. Sorry, John. With my what? With your how to win friends and influence people, Knox had been about to say, thinking of that bootlegged copy Sasha had shown him once. But that had been on their last night together in Moscow, and he definitely did not want to relive that episode here. He tap-danced instead. I'll bet Grecian never knew what hit him. Sasha looked at him curiously but said nothing. Knox spent the rest of the match steering the conversation back onto safer ground. Even as they strolled up to the pool toward noon, he was still regaling Sasha with golfing stories. Metaphysical golfing stories. Tales of Michael Murphy and his mystical pilgrimages with Shivas irons across the links of Burning Bush Country Club. Meditations on how the inherent frustrations of golf made it a spiritual discipline par excellence, working hard to keep things light and airy and inconsequential. They found Mariana, laps done, sunning herself poolside. She was lying flat on her stomach, with the string of her black bikini top undone in the interests of a continuous tan. Hi, she raised her head. How was golf? Good, good, Sasha said. Better for John, he won. If you're looking for Galia, Mariana said, she's gone up to the outdoor buffet to get us a table. We're supposed to meet her there. She fumbled with the loose ends of her bikini top. John, could you help me with this? Knox knelt to refasten her. Yielding to the moment and the smoothness of her sun-warmed skin, he pushed the lawyers-in-love envelope by leaning over and kissing the nape of her neck. Whoops! There went his own spiritual discipline. She smiled up at him. Didn't necessarily mean anything, though. With Sasha watching, she might just be staying in character. Weird situation. Another unadvertised peril of covert operations. Trying to become intimate with her, while pretending to be intimate with her, meant he could never be sure exactly where he stood. Though there was that impulsive kiss last night. Regrettably, the afternoon held no more such unguarded moments, full though it was with an assortment of other delights. The evening brought cocktails and dinner, followed by a private screening of some forgettable first-run film in the full-size theater up on Salon deck. Sasha, for one, seemed not to want the day to end, but even the second-in-command of the mighty Grecian Enterprises International was powerless to hold back the clock. By the time they'd trooped up to the sky lounge for a nightcap, things were winding down. The clock on the wall read quarter to three in the morning. It wasn't quite that late. The time had been set two hours ahead at midnight to compensate for Rusalka's eastward movement. Still, it was into the wee hours, whatever the time zone. Knox glanced over to where Mariana was curled up in one of the lounge's overstuffed leather armchairs, the glass of Chardonnay beside her untouched. After a full day of sun and sea air, she was about as tuned into the conversation as were the anemones and goldfish dancing in the tropical aquarium behind her. And Galena had been gone since before dinner, something about checking in on an experiment in progress back home in Akidim Gorodok. Knox drained his doers. How about it, Sasha? Call it a night? If Sasha heard, he gave no sign. He, too, was quietly contemplating Mariana's drowsing form, swirling the drink in his glass. When he did speak, it was to say, Your friend, John, is most lovely. 
so full of energy and life. Quite charming, truly. She's far too good for me, and that's for sure, Fox said. And then, because it was expected, and because it was true, added, Galia's looking terrific, too. Sasha drained his fifth, seventh, Stolichnaya of the evening. If you say. Do I detect a note of, how do I put this, ennui? Sasha sat there, head down, staring into his now empty glass. Time can bring an end to even the closest friendships, John, he said in a barely audible voice. He cleared his throat before adding, You especially would know that, being divorced yourself. So you're saying you and Galia... Our association is still one of friendship and professional collaboration, Sasha enunciated carefully. Whatever the exact count, he'd had a lot to drink. But no more than that. Not for years. Gee, I'm really sorry to hear... Then it hit Knox. Wait a minute. How do you know I'm divorced? Oh, as to that, GEI's corporate intelligence is quite thorough. They checked you out as soon as I received your first email. I know all about you, John. Your divorce, your work at Archon, how you abandoned your Soviet researches for a career in systems analysis. He heaved a sigh. All about you. Even about the consequences for you of that night, the night we sampled the shaman's gift. Sasha, that's all blood under the bridge. Please, John, painful as it is, I must say this. I am most sincerely sorry for what happened, for the harm I caused you, had I only known. It's okay, really. It's not like I died or anything, though for a while there he'd wished he could. Not okay, John. Sasha was shaking his head. How could I have been so stupid? But I thought then you had simply experienced what I did. The beauty, the wonder of it. For me, it was truly, as the old event had promised, a journey out among the stars. He sounded as if he'd be ready to sign on for the magical mushroom mystery tour again, given half a chance. Maybe it was for me too at first, except where you saw cosmology, I saw quantum reality. Knox had been hooked on quantum mechanics ever since encountering his first pop science rehash back in high school. It was as if the uncertainty principle had resonated with some deep-seated yearning that the world not be totally deterministic, totally predictable, that there still be some room left for mystery in the universe, if only in the realm of the very small. He'd lacked the heavy-duty math skills to advance much beyond the level of an educated layman, but he got far enough to revel in the theory's quasi-mystical implications. Until that last night in Moscow, when those implications walked up and bit him in the ass. It was beautiful in the beginning, but after a while it all turned bad. Knox shuddered, remembering this was not a good idea, not if he wanted to sleep tonight. If only you hadn't left me all by myself. If only there'd been someone, anyone there to talk to me, talk me through it, talk me down. He'd spent an eternity alone in the darkness, powerless to wrench his gaze away from chaos and old night, away from the wriggling horror the world had dissolved into. Only as dawn broke had he finally found his way back to, 
or by an effort of will reconstructed, a recognizable cosmos again. What I did not leave you, John, Sasha's whispered response was Knox's first hint that he'd said at least part of that aloud. Huh? It was you who left, perhaps two hours before sunrise. I should have stopped you, but... Knox hadn't thought much about the events of that long, unendingly dark night in nearly two decades, had in fact invested a good deal of psychic energy in not thinking about it at all. But now that Sasha mentioned it, he could vaguely recall waking up back in his own dorm room. If you could call it waking, when the nightmares didn't stop. I went looking for you, of course, Sasha was still talking, as soon as I was able. But by then you were gone. I foolishly assumed you had taken a taxi to Sheremetyeva and flown home. You never said anything in your letters. Sasha looked truly miserable now. I only learned the truth this past week. Your stay at the embassy clinic, how you dropped out of graduate school. John, my friend, I ask your forgiveness. For what it's worth, you've got it. But really, Sasha, there's nothing to forgive. As he spoke the words, Knox couldn't help wondering if Sasha would find it in his heart to be as forgiving when the time came. You've been listening to Singularity by Bill DeSmet. <laughs>